0: You know, there was a time when you mentioned the word Christianity, people knew exactly what you were talking about. Or if you said, well, you know, I'm a Christian. They knew exactly what you meant. But that's not the way it is anymore. To many people, Christianity means many things. You can talk about Christianity and someone may think about Liberal Christianity that doesn't believe all the Bible, or they may be thinking about ritualistic religion that just has form and no meaning. You see, you have to define what you mean. Well, let me tell you, I'm a. I believe in Christ. I'm a Christian. Christianity is my. You have to define it. You cannot believe, think that people understand what you're talking about. And when you say I'm a Christian. Hey, that can mean many things to many people. So you have to actually define what you mean when you say, I'm a Christian. Well, who is a Christian? And so, you know, just thinking about that, uh, there's much confusion about what it is to be a Christian or what is Christianity. Let me tell you something. To the apostles who saw Jesus, who touched Jesus, who listened to Jesus, who walked with Jesus. Christianity was not a creed. It was not a religious dogma. You know what Christianity was to the, to the apostles and the early Christians? It was a glorious story. Oh, it was a glorious story. Oh, they would tell it. It's called the apostles doctrine. They would just keep telling the story. You know, God became flesh. God became a man and lived among us. He was born in the manger in Bethlehem. Born of a virgin. This person, Jesus of Nazareth, he lived a sinless life. He healed the sick, raised the dead, spoke as no other person had ever spoke. He died on the cross as a sacrifice. And they would always run to the cross and say, you know, they took him. They mocked him. They spit in his face. They plucked out his beard. They nailed him to a cross. And everyone said, he's finished. But really, he was just beginning because there he made the perfect final sacrifice for the sins of of men and women. Yet, but God vindicated him. And when Romans said he was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. You see, Christianity to them was a glorious story, how God had invaded history and redeemed his creation through the death of his son so that they could be forgiven and their sins could be washed away. You know, what kind of world did Jesus come into? What kind? You know, he was born into a religious world the Jewish religion. They had been looking for him. They'd had sacrifices. They'd had feasts. They'd been looking for him. But somewhere in the midst of their religion, they thought he would come as a conqueror, deliver them from the yoke of Rome. He came to his own. He came to his own, to his religious, that culture of Jews, and they did not receive him. Jesus was born into a religious world, very ritualistic and very formal. But Jesus was also born into a philosophical world. It's called the Greeks, much wisdom, much philosophy, so much was put on human intellect. So he came into a world of religion, but he also came into a world of intellectualism. You know, how did the world respond to him? I want to show you from the Bible. How did the world respond to Jesus when he came? How did the Jews, very religious, how did they respond to him? How did the Greeks, who all hooked up in philosophy with Socrates and all the philosophers, how did they respond to him? Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 18. Now, this is very important. Verse 17 says that Christ didn't come to baptize. They were all saying, who baptize him? He baptized the people. Baptism's important. But she said, that's not why I came. Now, I want you to listen how the world responded to him. And you're going to say, you know, Brother Fred, that's the way the world responds to him today. Times have changed, but the response of the world to Jesus has not changed. It says... In verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 1, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's foolishness. Here's a person who's not a Christian and we talk about the cross. We talk about the death of Jesus, the shedding of his blood. That that to them, that's foolishness. They don't understand. The message of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us who are being saved, cross is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And and, and he's talking about the world and its wisdom just missed who Jesus is. He asks the question in verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? What a statement. It says God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God by the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The Jews request a sign. Show us something, Jesus. The Greeks seek after wisdom. Give us a new philosophy. But listen to what verse 23 says. But we preached Christ crucified. Underscore that. That's the heart of Christianity. That's the heart of the gospel. No cross. No Christianity. Oh no. But we, it says here. But we preach Christ crucified. Now get this. To the Jews a stumbling block. And to the Greeks a stumbling Foolishness. But look what it is to us who are saved. But to those who are called, to those who are saved, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Notice the difference. To the Jews, Christ was a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it was foolishness. But to us, Christ is the power of God. And the wisdom of God. When we think of the cross, we think of the wisdom of God and the power of God. But those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Look at that. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than man. Here, I want you to see this. Jesus came into an, a formal ritualistic world. The Jews and all their religion, and by the way, their sacrifices, their feast, all of their ceremony, the synagogue, all of that was about the Messiah that was going to come. But somehow they had failed to realize that the message of all those sacrifices was that the Messiah was going to be the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world, that the Messiah was going to die on a cross for their sin. Somehow, in the midst of all their ceremony and religion, They had missed that. And you know what? When Jesus went to the cross, and by the way, the Pharisees were the ones who primarily sent him there. They were the religious of the religious Jews. They were the ones who cried, crucify him, crucify him. And the Bible says when Jesus went to the cross, now get this, to the Jews, formal ritualistic religion, he was a stumbling block. And that word stumbling block, you know what it means in the Greek? It was a scandal. It was scandalous to the religious Jews. A scandal that Jesus Christ, quote, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, would be nailed to a Roman cross by wicked Roman soldiers and die between two thieves as a common criminal. You know, to the Jews, the cross The death on the cross was a scandal. It was a stumbling block. And they missed it. They missed it. And the cross, instead of being the the instrument through which Jesus brought salvation, became to them a stumbling block. You know, today, in the modern religious world, you know the cross is a stumbling block. Everybody wants to preach on how, how to improve yourself, And how that I'm okay and you're okay. And everybody wants to say, listen, you can make it, you can do it. And I'm for positive things. I'm not a negative person. I'm a positive thing. But you know what? It it, it offends people today in many, 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 many places. Places when you preach on the cross. How that we were sinners. How that we were separated from God how that we were without God and without hope and all of our righteousness was as filthy rags and the only way that we could ever be saved was for Jesus to come and die on the cross in our place, taking our awful sins on himself and that there was no salvation apart from the cross. You would say, well, brother Fred, that's what religion's all about. Oh, no, it's not. Just like it was a stumbling block to the Jews. In modern religious circles today, you preach on the cross of Christ. You preach on the blood of Christ. You preach on the wickedness of sin and the hopelessness of man without Christ. It becomes a stumbling block. They want you to tell them how good they are and how by being doing their good works and being religious, they can go to heaven, live like they want to on the way. It hadn't changed. Today, to the religious world, the cross, Is a scandal. It's a stumbling block. It makes them humble themselves to think that Jesus had to die on a cross in their place. But you know what it says in this chapter? In verse 23, it says, to the Jews, the death of Christ on the cross was a stumbling block. It was a scandal. But you know what it says to the Greeks? By the way, that's anybody that's not a Jew. So you and I would be considered the Greeks. We're Gentiles. It says to the Gentiles, it was foolishness. You know, really, you think about lost people all over America where there's a cross everywhere you look on steeples. and every- Did you know, though, to the unsaved person, they don't understand the cross. It's foolishness to them. What is this about a, a cross? What is this about somebody dying on the cross? What about him Only through his shed blood that I can be forgiven. You know what the Greek word for that word foolishness is? Moron. (laughs) To the Greeks, the cross, Christ crucified was moronic. Anybody that believed that was a moron. They were mentally deficient and inferior and could not relate to society. I hate to tell you this, but unsaved people until God opens their eyes, then God removes the blindness from over their eyes. When you talk of the cross, they're going to say, man, that's foolishness. What could somebody, a Jew that died on the cross 2,000 years ago, what could that do, have to do about my being a sinner and me being saved? And that's the only way to be forgiven. And that's the only way to heaven. That's utter foolishness. You know, It hadn't changed, folks. To many people today, the crucifixion of Christ is a stumbling block. It's a scandal. But to many people today, the crucifixion of Christ is foolishness. Only people who are mentally deficient, morons, believe in the power of the cross. But you've got to look at the rest of that verse. It says over there in chapter 1, it says here, we preach Christ crucified, verse 23, 1 Corinthians one twenty-three. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But that's not the rest of the verse. Look, but to those who are saved, to those who are saved, it is Christ, the power of God, to the Jews and the Greeks that are saved. The cross is Christ, the power of God, and Christ is the wisdom of God. Oh, to those who are saved, listen, we glory in the cross. That's why we're here. We glory in the cross. And listen, I'm not talking about glorying on a piece of wood. I'm not talking about that. In the wood itself, that's not it. Whatever the cross is made of, that's not it. It's the person who died on that cross. And it's the reason that he died on that cross. And it's the message of forgiveness and deliverance and healing that is given through that death of Jesus on the cross. So you see, we, to us, the crucifixion of Jesus is the wisdom of God and it is the power of God. I want you to think about um, how the, uh, the, the message of the cross is such such great, great wisdom. Here's the message of the cross. That in the dying of Jesus, God provided a salvation where the, his righteousness was vindicated. Now, here was the problem. Here is holy God. And here is sinful man. Holy God can have nothing to do with sin. Holy God said, the wages of sin is death. And so here's Holy God who said, if you sin the soul that sins, it will die. So how can Holy God ever be reconciled to a sinful man or woman who have sinned and come short of the glory of God? It was the cross that bids the gap between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, and God could remain righteous and still forgive our sin. You know what Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, I want you to listen to this. You see, this is the wisdom of God in the cross. There the righteousness of God is vindicated. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and to the Greek. He said, the gospel of Christ is the power of God to the Jew and to the Greek. Listen to what he says. For therein the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, the just shall live by faith. Hey, listen. You know why you as a sinner and I as a sinner can be reconciled to God that is holy? Because Jesus on the cross took our sin and therefore because of the death of Christ, holy God can be reconciled to sinful man and still remain holy and righteous and without compromising to sin. But also the gospel of our salvation is wise not only then that is where the righteousness of God is revealed but listen to this. The salvation, the cross is to us wisdom Because it's a substitutionary death which paid the penalty of sin. Substitutionary death. The Greek word is propitiation. It means to take another's place. You know the glorious wisdom of the cross? A righteous God can be reconciled to sinful man through the death of Jesus. But oh, The glorious wisdom of that cross and that salvation is that Jesus took the place. He died in your place. He was your substitute. I should have been nailed to the cross. You should have been nailed to the cross. It was our sin that placed him there. Our sins were upon him. And the wisdom of the cross is that Jesus became our substitute. He died for us so that we could live. And that's the wisdom of it. The righteousness of God is justified. A substitutionary death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The penalty for sin was paid. This is very important. The wisdom of of the cross is that through the death of Jesus, not only only could a holy God be reconciled to sinful man, through the blood of the cross, and still be holy and righteous. The wisdom of the cross is we, we deserve to die. But Jesus came, and he died in our place. Oh, that's the substitutionary death of you. He died in our place so that we might live. He was our substitute. 1 Peter 2.24, you know what that says? He bore our sin. In his body on the cross. That's the substitutionary death. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. But you know, you need to hear this. The wisdom of the cross is also the fact that man still has moral freedom, he still has a choice. He can receive Christ and receive the cross or he can reject Christ and reject the cross. You see, in, in all this great salvation, God left us with the will where we could choose. It, it's found over in John seven seventeen. He says, if a man wills, now get this with me. He said, if a man wills to know this doctrine, whether it is of God, then God will show him it's true. What he says is this, if you choose to know the truth, if you choose to believe the truth, If you really want to believe the message of the cross, that Christ shed his blood and died for you. If you really will to know that and believe that, God will reveal it to you. Because you have a choice. You have a choice. I love Romans 12, 13. You know what it says? For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It didn't say whosoever is elect that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It didn't say, whosoever does enough good works and calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It says, whosoever believes that Jesus Christ is the substitute for their sin, died in their place, shed his blood, the only way of salvation for whosoever. Whosoever. You're included in whosoever. That includes you. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know the wisdom of our salvation? The preaching of the cross to those who are saved, it's the wisdom of God. We see the wisdom of God in the death of Jesus on the cross. A holy God could be reconciled to sinful man. Someone took our place so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be saved. God gave us a choice. But you know, the wisdom of our salvation is, The transforming power of the cross of Jesus Christ. When people repent of their sins and look to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. I deserve judgment and I deserve hell. But Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross in my place. I have no hope of salvation apart from you. I do not trust in my righteousness. Did you know there's the transforming power of the cross? What does Romans 1.16 say? The gospel of Christ, listen, is the power of God. It's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, not if, anyone, not if anyone be religious, not if anyone does good works, not if anyone be a church member, not if anyone get baptized... It's good to be a member of a Bible-believing church and to get baptized. But it says, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The cross changes people's lives. It changes people's lives. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Talking about the salvation, um, being foolishness to the Gentiles. Have you ever noticed how contradictory parts of salvation are? Let me make three or four statements here, and I want you to listen. How that this is the wisdom of God, but somehow you've got to see it through the eyes of faith. Here's the first statement I want to make to you. We have life through one who died. Well, Brother Fred, how does a person get spiritual life? How does a person get eternal life? Well... The only way that you can get eternal life and spiritual life is through the death of Christ on the cross. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says Christ died for our sins. Hey, we get life through the death of another. And then there's another statement that shows how this destroys the wisdom of men. We are blessed through one who became a curse. Did you know in Galatians 3.3, it says that Jesus took upon him the curse of the law and he became a curse for us so that we could be saved. We get death, through life through one who died and we get blessed by one who became a curse. And that just destroys the wisdom and the intellect of, of man. You know, we're justified By one who was condemned. Think about that. Jesus had to be condemned. So that we could be justified. And so we see the wisdom. To to the cross. The cross is to us. The wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. It's not foolishness. It's not a scandal. The death of Christ is Christianity. It is the center of our belief. But. I love this. It says, to those who believe, it is Christ, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. You know, to us who believe, it is the power of God. And I got to thinking about this. and was doing some reading. You know, people who are saved, they'll say to you, hey. It was the cross that made the difference in my life. When I believe that Jesus died for me and took my sins and shed his blood, I'm telling you the cross was the power of God in my life. And I started thinking about uh, going down the halls of time and thinking about people. And I want you to take a little journey with me. Let's go back about 200 years ago. Let's cross the sea and let's go to England. To Southampton in England. And let's go to the home of a young preacher and a young poet. His name was Isaac Watts. And so we go into his home and we say, Mr. Watts, Pastor Watts, what in the world? Now you you, you have read the Bible and you preach. Let me ask you something. What does the cross mean to you? What does the cross mean? mean to you? And Isaac Watts said, let me tell you. And you know what he began to say? When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but lost. You know, how many of you all ever sung that hymn before? I think we ought to sing it again. Because you see, let me tell you what Isaac Watts said. The cross made the difference. And when I surveyed the wondrous cross, to me, the cross was the power of God. The words are on the screen. Let's sing that together. Brother Ed's going to lead us. So I'm not trusting myself. Now, I want you to think about is this what the cross means to you? Is this what it means to you? Isaac Watts said, Let me tell you about the power of the cross. Lead us, Brother Ed. When I
1: survey the water, verse when For, you sing it. Forbid it Lord thy
0: Now look at this.
1: See from his hand.
0: hymns that we grew up singing they were all the testimony of people who knew the power of the cross Isaac Watts understood that the cross the crucifixion of Christ is the wisdom of God and it is the power of God but I want to take you to another town in England just a little way all New England just a trip down the road and there's a man living there named William Cowper C-O-W-P-E-R. William Cowper had lived a tragic life. It seems like his life had been filled with disappointment, discouragement, and despair. It became so bad that two times William Cowper tried to take his life. But then he had an encounter. And so we go to William Cowper and say, Mr. Cowper, let me ask you this. You went through the dregs of life and depression and discouragement. And, but let me ask you something. What does the cross mean to you today? Do you believe the cross has any power? And you know what he did? He answered our question by writing this hymn. How many times have we sung it? How it brings great hope to our hearts. The words are on the screen. Let's sing it
1: together. There is a fountain filled with blood brought from humanity. To the next, the A dying, dying thief Rejoice to see That fountain In His day. Day. Hallelujah And there The more. Yes. to
0: us who are saved the cross the crucifixion of Jesus is the wisdom of God and it is the power of God Isaac Watts said when I surveyed that wondrous cross my life was changed William Cowper said out of the depths of despair and discouragement when I came to Jesus I found that fountain filled with blood Drawn from Emmanuel's veins, when I was plunged beneath that flood, I lost all my guilty stain. But you know, let's cross back across the Atlantic and go to a little village in New York City, kind of off the beaten path. And we go to a house and we knock on the door. And there comes a little diminutive lady. And I say, I recognize who it is. It's Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby who wrote so many glorious hymns we say Miss Crosby when you were six weeks old you were blinded you lost your sight and from the time of six years old up until today six months old you've lived in a dark world but let me ask you a question what do you think about the cross? what do you think about the dying of Jesus? what does the cross mean to you? Is it the wisdom of God? Is it the power of God? Fanny Crosby said, "Oh, oh yes, oh yes," and then she wrote this song. How many times have we sung this? This is the message of the cross. Let's sing it together. Blessed, Blessed assurance,
1: Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine! Air of salvation. Purchase of God Washed in His spirit Washed in His blood This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior All the day long This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior you go a little further down the road.
0: And we have an encounter with a man by the name of John Newton. John Newton was a wicked, ungodly man. He made his living by sell- by selling slaves. One day he had a, a shipload of slaves and he got into a storm off the coast, coast of England And in the midst of that storm, John Newton thought for sure that he was going to die. And he cried out to God. And God saved him. John Newton, the wicked slave trader, I go to him and say, John Newton, let me ask you a question. What does a cross mean to you? What does a cross mean to you? Do you see in the death of Jesus on the cross the wisdom of God? John, do you see in the death of Jesus on the cross the power of God? He says, oh, let me tell you what the cross of Jesus meant to me. And so he wrote this song. How many times? They say it's sung over 10 million times every year somewhere in the world. This is the message of the cross. Let's sing it together.
1: Amazing grace, how sweet.
0: i got two other people I want to visit this morning. And I want to ask them, do you see in the death of Christ the wisdom of God? Do you see in the death of Christ the power of God? The fact that Jesus took your sins on himself, died in your place, shed his blood so that you could be forgiven. And I come to a man who suffered for a long time with a broken heart. His business in New York City burned down. And he decided he had to go to England to start over again. So he put his wife and four daughters on a ship headed for England. And on that voyage there was a collision with another ship. And his four daughters drowned in the depths of the sea. And his wife sent back one word. I alone am saved. Our four daughters are gone. Sometime later, he and his wife were united and they were sailing back to England and they came to the place where his daughters went to the depth of the sea and were drowned. And so I asked Horatio Spafford, I say, Mr. Spafford, in your darkest hour, when you don't understand things, when things seem to have no meaning, let me ask you something. In the crucifixion of Christ, do you see the wisdom of God? How that Jesus provided the death, the power of God. For no matter what you go through, once you know Christ and his death and resurrection, you have the power. He said, oh, oh. You know what he did? When he got to the place where his daughters were drowned as they were crossing the ocean, he wrote these words to say what the power of the cross Meant to him. I want you to listen to the words. I want you to sing them. Then I'll ask you a question: Is this your testimony? Now, listen. Is this your testimony? Let's sing it together.
1: When he's <laughs> like a river, attendeth my way. When. Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul.
0: The only time. You can say it's well with your soul. When you embrace the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus for you, when you realize he died for your sin, and you repent, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And you say, Jesus, I could never save myself. All the good works I could ever do would never gain me one minute in heaven. But I'm trusting you, Jesus, and your precious blood shed on the cross. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. It is not well with your soul until you've been washed in the blood of Christ. Christ has come to live in you. And you can say the cross is the power of God. Here's the last one. I did not know the story of this lady. She is a contemporary of us. Her name is Dottie Rambo. At age eight, Living in Kentucky. She began to write songs. And she began singing and playing on the radio when she was 10. At the age of 12, she was converted. Became a Christian. And instead of writing just songs, she started writing Christian songs. And all she would do was write Christian songs and sing Christian songs, that's all she would do. She wrote over 2,500 hymns. Her father, when he found out that she had become a Christian, this sh- shook me when I read it this week, when his father found out she had become a Christian, and he knew that she wasn't going to be singing country songs and realized she's going to be singing Christian songs, probably in little backwood churches all across Kentucky. This is what he said to a 12-year-old girl. If you're going to write Christian songs, and you're gonna sing Christian songs, then you have to leave home. You can't live here anymore. So, mother packed all of her clothes in a cardboard suitcase, took her to the bus station, and sent her off to a relative because she would not recant. She said, "All I'm gonna do is write Christian songs." 2008, in March 2008, at 74. Her touring bus was in a wreck and she died. But oh, of the 2,500 songs that she wrote, you could say, Dottie Rambo, let me ask you a question. What do you see in the cross? Is it the wisdom of God? Is the cross the power of God? Look at what she wrote. I want you to stand while we sing it, would you? She wrote, I will glory in the cross. Can you say that this morning? Brother Fred, of all the things I will glory in, I will glory in the cross. Sing it to the Lord for his glory.
1: I will will glory in the cross, in the cross.
0: I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Let me ask you a question. This week around the world, Friday, they'll be, we'll be celebrating the death, the cross on Passover, where Jesus, the Lamb of God, went to the cross and died in our place, shedding his precious blood so we could be forgiven can you say to me today brother Fred God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world have you experienced the power of the cross I could get people all over this building who I would say would you tell me what the cross means to you And they would give me their testimony how when they repented of their sins and trusted Jesus dying in their place and shedding his blood for their sins and living to live in them, they would say, oh, brother, Fred, it was the message of the cross that changed my life. That's your testimony. But is it your testimony? Have you ever realized that the only thing standing between you and hell is the death of Jesus on the cross.